Good morning. It's so good to be with you today, even if it is not in the same room, but we get a chance to be together. But thank you, Josh, for leading us in worship. Um, I, I, I feel spoiled right now because um, I just got to be in this room um, with Josh singing, and he has this remarkable way about him. He can both calm and stir at the same time in my heart, and I, I could just feel my heart um, quickening um, at the love of our Savior, but yet at the all, also at the same time calming um, as I stepped into what I'm about to do. I, I, you know, actually, as I'm standing here right now, I think I'm, I'm not sure how I got here. Um, on Thursday, I would have not known that this is where I would be on Sunday morning. Um, but I'm glad to do that. Um, I'm grateful, grateful for Amy being here today running tech, Mike being here giving announcements, uh, Debbie's online hosting, and all the team. I look around here, and I'm in a jungle. It's just fabulous, you know? And I think of all the things, think of you all out there and who you are and what you do and that, what it is to be a part of this, um, this body of believers. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, two weeks ago, Phil and I were in Florida on Sunday morning, and at that time, I really, um, you know, we were at the end of a vacation. We, we woke up in Key West, and um, our plan was to drive on the overseas highway all the way up to Key Largo, and, and it was Sunday morning, and it was beautiful, and as we drove along and saw the water, the ocean, um, just the views, the sunshine. Um, we were thinking about you guys because it was Sunday morning. And by the time uh, church started here, um, because we were in the Eastern time zone, so we we're a couple hours ahead. Um, by the time church started here, Phil and I were um, on the water on kayaks. We were hoping to do some snorkeling. We were tooling around the mangroves and seeing what kind of wildlife we could see and just enjoying God's creation but to be able to log in from wherever you were and just all of a sudden that same calming, stirring voice of Josh and the worship team we were able to hear and be a part of from far away. And I was so grateful, grateful for that. And we got to hear Veronica teaching and sharing one verse with us. And um, we got to feel like we were a part of you um, even while we were away. And so the online option is just so so um, good for us. The following Sunday, last week, full intentions was to be here. But um, man makes plans, but the Lord orders his steps. And while Phil had hoped to be here in teaching, um, things did not go as we had planned. We had returned here um, to, to Castle Rock. And a couple days after returning, Phil began to have a fever, began to have other symptoms. And uh, at first we thought maybe he had COVID, like he had picked up a different variant or something and because we had been on planes and in crowds and things like that, but it turned out it wasn't that. We, he started picking up other symptoms. We started thinking, oh, he has kidney stones. His doctor thought that sounded right. Um, but as the weekend drew on, um, he realized he wasn't going to get to be with you last week. And so last week, again, we got to enjoy the online option. Um, Mike Mason was able to jump in so bravely and willingly and uh, brought a great service for us. But here we are again. 
and um, Phil couldn't be here today. He would love to be here, but he is on the online option, and here I am instead. I'm Donna Vaughn, and sorry for my shaky voice. This is not my normal, <laughs> but um, we felt like today Phil couldn't be here, but I don't know where I end and Phil begins sometime, and that's kind of how we function, and so by me being here today, it felt like maybe he could be a bit with you too. Um, so today I'm going to be sharing with you uh, one verse. Um, we hope uh, that maybe tonight uh, both Phil and I will be at the park and we'll get to see you there. But um, as we know that we make our plans, but the Lord orders our steps. So tonight, uh, or today, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the one verse. This is the verse that I've chosen for today. This is from Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 12. I'll read it to you, and then, and then we'll chat about it for a little bit. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Let's pray. Mighty God, we are grateful for your word. And Father, as we talk about this verse today and um, some other thoughts about you, um, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Um, take my words and sift to them, burn away the dross, and may the hearers um, take in what you would have them take in and push the rest aside. In Jesus' name, amen. So this verse I've been living with for a few months, and um, I thought that um, I could share with you just some of the thoughts that I've been having um, you know, about this verse. This verse is in the middle of a larger passage of other verses that I've lived with. And when I say I live with them, what um, I mean by that is that um, I read them at some point in a quiet time or while I was reading larger chunks of scriptures and something jumped out at me and I felt like this is where I needed to live. And so the way that I do that, I don't, I don't know that it um, is this way for everyone, but um, I will often choose to memorize a verse so that it can kind of reside in me, that I can think through the words more and more, and I can just see where God will teach and lead and make me wonder and question in different ways. And so this is one of the verses that um, I found myself memorizing um, in the last few months and found myself living with it and wondering, what does it mean to really be content? Um, and Paul says he has a secret and, and what is that secret? He doesn't seem to reveal it in this verse, but he gives hints. And, you know, as I live with it, I, I feel like that for me, when I'm thinking about spiritual disciplines and how to live with a verse, I have to do that because I think I'm a bit like, like Dory in um, Finding Nemo, this little fish who just can't seem to remember things. And so when I read large passages, passages of Scripture, and then I find myself... Um, thinking, wow, I, I really, here's a new idea. I can turn around a week later and I cannot remember at all what it is that I was thinking a week before. So if I pick a verse or a phrase and I live with it and come back to it, 
over and over again, then it starts to be a part of me. And so um, this is one of the verses that have done that um, lately. So when I think about being content and what it means to be content, I think mostly about what does that even mean? What does it mean? To, it, it means to be fulfilled. It means to be satisfied. And if I, if I don't feel content, it seems that I'm often thinking that I'm lacking something. I perceive a need. And I sometimes get really confused when I start thinking about needs because Paul talks about, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. But then he turns around at the end of the verse and when he says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, many times I think, you know, we get hooked on these ideas of, well, is it really a need or is it a want? But I think in this verse, Paul's indicating a little bit that it doesn't really matter whether it's a need or a want. I think sometimes it's really tricky to sort those things out about whether um, the perception I have of what I'm missing um, is a need or a want. Um, I need to eat food occasionally or I get very angry, you know, and hungry and hangry and, and I, I can be impatient. I need sleep. But sometimes, um, though those things seem so basic, um, maybe it's not that at all. Maybe I'm not eating because I'm not getting the thing that I, I want. So I think that Paul doesn't think that this matters at all in this passage that he, he is teaching about, that lacking things, um, the perception I have of what I'm missing um, is not is not the, is, I don't need to sort it out whether I really need it or if I just wanted it. That's not the secret of being content. So what is it to be content? What is it to be fulfilled? You know, this last week when Phil and I were, um, when he was not well, um, what, what occurred was after last week, you know, and he couldn't be here, um, on Monday he continued to get worse and other, other symptoms cropped up. And so he called his doctor again and described what was going on. And he said, and uh, he was told that he needed to go to the ER, which did not make um, us happy at all. We wanted something different. Um, we wanted a different answer. Um, our son, Carter, who lives away, had flown um, in town on Saturday night. Our, our older son and his wife had come down to stay with us as well. And so we were really looking forward to a few days of family time um, as we were getting back into work and, and activity. And we wanted to be with them. We wanted to be home and they were all three staying in our house. And, and what we wanted was not to be going to the hospital and checking out what was wrong. But that was the advice we received and so we went and um, as they were trying to find what was going on with Phil, um, he bought himself five days in the hospital. And so that's where we were for the last five days. Um, he is home now. I want you to know that he is healthy um, or becoming healthy and um, improving greatly. Um, he came home on Friday and we found that he had had both a blood clot and an infection, both things that are of of, of great concern as it's going on, but they're well controlled now. And so we have every anticipation uh, that things will continue to improve. 
and he will be back with you next week. Um, But as we're going through that, we weren't very content. We wanted different things. We felt like we lacked all kinds of things. Um, We lacked information. We felt like we lacked um, rest and sleep. Um, We lacked just simply enjoying good health and being back at the things that we wanted to be back at doing. You know, we became very discontent um, in the middle of it all. And so this verse came back to me. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So I contemplate that and I think, really, should I have been content? Is that reasonable for me to have wanted and should I be able to find that place? And as I considered my circumstances and realized how blessed we were, not only to have great medical care, um, but to be at a hospital so close to our home here in Castle Rock. And the, the hospital room that we were in, I mean, it has this great big window and it extends almost from the floor to the ceiling and we were on the third floor and we had a west face, facing view and we could look out and see the clouds rolling in and out. We could see the light from the sunrise um, hitting the mountains. Um, it, was, it was stunning and it was calming to see that, but yet my heart longed for something more. Could I find a place of being content when I didn't know, when I wanted something different, when I wanted more sleep, when I wanted time with my kids and um, family, time of laughing and spending together? Could I be content there? And then I figure that surely I could find that But where does this verse work for the people who have aches and hurts that run so much deeper than the things I was describing? How can you find contentment when you've lost someone you love? That's not coming back. Is this just about being hungry or well-fed, and having our physical and material needs met? Is that all that Paul is talking about here? What about, what about people who lose their children? They wake up one day and all seems well, and then there's a tragedy. How do you deal with that? Can you find contentment? So I think, well, perhaps, you know, Paul is much like me. And, um, you know, Paul has a habit of um, run-on sentences and such. So I think, well, maybe it's not hidden right here. Maybe we need to look at a few more passages. So I looked at some of the other words that are in this same passage. So the passage we were looking at was Philippians 4.12. This is Philippians 4.8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. For Philippians 4.4. And 4.8 says this. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. Is this where we find our contentment? Can we just rejoice in great and painful loss? Can we just think about the good things? What is this? What is Paul telling us here? 
Is it just the power of positive thinking? Is it, a, is, is it one of those crazy um, Jedi mind tricks? Are we missing something in the word of contentment? Is it that maybe the contentment is not just about lacking something? But let's look at some other things. So when I start to wonder and think that some things aren't quite um, catching with me, I, I start to look at other translations. So we looked at this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. But let's see how it says it in the, new, in the English Standard Version. Instead of using the, con- the word content, which every other translation that I looked at um, in verse 11 uses the, the word content, but when we move to chapter 12, only um, NIV repeats it. The ESV says it this way. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That puts a slightly different spin on it to me because when I think about facing plenty, that doesn't feel like something that I'm lacking. It's not, you know, when I think of contentment being satisfying and fulfilling, I feel like that that's a word that it means I'm lacking nothing. But here, I'm facing plenty. Have you ever felt like that you had to face having too much? Have you ever had to face abundance? Is that a difficult thing? Have you heard of the stories of the lottery winners who they have plenty and lots and then they find themselves having more troubles than they had before? Maybe this is something he's speaking of. Several of the the people in our church have gone through reading some of the wisdom literature um, in the last um, few months. And included in that was the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes. Two very different books. Job is the story of, of someone who lost everything and is questioning God and trying to understand. He lacked so many things. But Ecclesiastes is very different. Solomon is speaking, and he has abundance. He's a king. He has so many resources at his hand. And he finds that advancement and riches and pleasures and wisdom and work and all of these things are meaningless. He is facing plenty and cannot find contentment. So what can, we, what can we assume about contentment then? How can we find contentment? What is the secret that Paul is leading us to? And I think it might be something like this. Contentment is elusive. Paul is a very smart guy. He's in jail. And I feel like at the time that he's writing this passage um, in Philippians, and I think he knows something about what it means to be content. And so but why does he use that word that he knows how to find it if it is so hard to find? Perhaps it's that we don't understand it or we don't even know exactly what Paul is saying. So we look back again at another portion of the verses that he's writing that maybe could give us a clue. So in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
there's so many things that it reminds me of the other pieces of the passage that Paul is talking about here. The thing that's different, though, is in the verses where we're talking about rejoicing. And we're talking about thinking about the things that are noble and good and right and pure. Instead of that feeling of a, oh, just just power your way through it and think differently, he acknowledges here the feelings of anxiousness, the feelings that we can have when we're not so content. And he uses a phrase that's similar again, but in every situation, and he tells us what to do with it. He doesn't negate the idea again of having and reframing your thoughts into joy, into things of good, noble, right thoughts, but he tells you what to do with it. But here's the thing where I think we get the clue about where he's telling us about contentment. Don't be anxious about anything. Present your request to God, and here's what will happen. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think when Paul is talking about contentment and that he knows how to be content in any and every situation, what he's telling us is that he's found the secret of having peace. Peace doesn't mean that I, I, I don't long for something else. Peace doesn't mean that I don't feel like I'm lacking or I'm short on something. But peace is deeper. Peace is more sustaining. Peace is a good place to be. I think that when we can move away from the idea of lacking things to how do I just find a solidness solidness in my heart, we learn that the peace that Paul is talking about is not a peace that I have to find within myself. It's a peace of God. It's a peace that he breathes into us. I don't, think it's, I don't think Paul missed it earlier because when he was saying to rejoice, he told us where to rejoice. Not just simply to be happy, but to rejoice in the Lord. So our peace and our joy comes from a place that is not of us, but it is beyond us and can settle within us. Here's another place that we can see, yes, I think this might be what Paul is talking about here. Another verse, just the next one down. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. How do we find our contentment is where do we find great peace? Paul is saying he has learned something, he knows something, and he wants to hand it off to us. He wants to give us that secret. So here is the secret and the treasure that he's pointing us to. And here is the easiest way to say it at all. That God is enough. It feels so simple, but yet it's so complex, and it's so difficult to get there. How do we find that God can be enough when the very thing I want the most is so far out of reach? When the thing that feels like, I, I, I don't know how to face moving into retirement, I haven't saved enough. I don't know how to face um, walking in singleness. I don't know how to face the challenges that we are having um, 
with a family member or a boss? Is God enough? Can he carry you in those places? God is our provider. He is the orchestrator of all things. He is omnipotent. He loves, he sustains, he holds, he breathes into you. He has unlimited perspective. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I think I understand them, but seldom do I. My perspective is so limited. It is only through these eyes that can see. But when I lean to God, he knows all. He is orchestrating the events of my life. I am not in control. And that is when I can rest back on the idea that God is enough. I am not the center of what is happening, but he is. And through that, I can start to rest. Because through God being enough... I am enough. I need nothing more. I don't need to be more. I don't need to have more patience and be less anxious. I don't have to um, berate myself for not being more grateful that I'm in a wonderful hospital with a great view. I don't need to have more. I don't need to acquire more. I don't need to do more. I don't need to earn more degrees or accomplish more and say that I'm worth and earn my place on this earth. I am already enough. I don't have to be different. I I don't have to do anything different to make God love me more. The only reason I am enough is because of who it is that is enough and who it is that we serve. This is the great message of the gospel, is that I am loved as I am. I am set free from the burden of having to fix all of my circumstances. I, have to, I am free from believing that I'm even in control of any of it in the first place. As I said earlier, a man orders his steps, but it is the Lord, it's a man makes his plan, but it is the Lord who orders his steps. I'm not in control of anything. I like to think that I am. And God partners with me all the time to allow me to do things, accomplish things. He moves desires in my heart and helps me move forward and accomplish those things, but I can't do it without him. And he is enough in and of himself, and I don't know how to do anything different on my own. But here's the thing. I, I know that a couple of you are thinking of this, because this is exactly what I would do. If I, if I listened to my husband giving this sermon, and he threw this verse up, and he said, you don't have to do anything, be anything, I would focus on this phrase right here. Put it into practice. How many of you stop and think, how many of you are doers? How many of you are fixers? How many of you, when you find yourself in a circumstance that you don't want to be in, all you're looking for is how to do something, how to be content, how to acquire what you need. And so this is the phrase that you would jump to, put it into practice. But let me tell you something. I don't think in this verse, Paul is giving us a command. 
when you look at the phrase, put it into practice, he's not commanding us. He's giving us an offering of how to help, how to navigate through this very difficult thing called life. This is wisdom. Of the books of literature that I, the, uh, of the Bible that is Job and Ecclesiastes and Psalms and Proverbs that many of you have spent some time in lately, um, these, are, these are wisdom literatures. These are not commands of how we have to live our lives or our salvation is at stake. Not at all. These are things that give us ideas about how to move through life with greater ease. This is an opportunity for you. Um, if you don't follow this, God still loves you. Not following these things of finding the way to find the God of peace and to rejoice and to order your thoughts toward good and noble and right things, it doesn't mean that um, your salvation is waffling back and forth. What it means is, is in some manner, you're actually going to just live a little bit of hell here on earth on your own, right here, right now. We've talked several times, Phil's talked many times about um, how the kingdom of heaven is here, right here, right now. When you let Christ work through you and you are kind and gentle with the people around you, heaven has touched earth. When you cannot find that God of peace, when you cannot let um, the contentment settle on you and let go of control for a minute, there's a place where it's just going to be hard doesn't mean that your salvation's at stake. It just means that right now you have felt a need to control and hang on, and that's okay. That's okay. But that's probably not best of what God hopes for you. What he hopes for you is for you to find his peace, for you to find his joy, for you to be able to lean on him and know that he is enough, that he sees everything knows everything, and, and can help you through, through this path. So what's the put it into practice? Well, it's right back when we look at don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what do you need to do in order to find that peace? Well, first off, calm that anxiety. Get a hold of it. Don't feed it. Don't tell yourself all the things that could go terribly wrong and focus there. I have to say, when I was in the hospital and we didn't know what was going on with Phil, I was very, very anxious at times. And it took a moment to recenter. What was the next thing? Calm your anxiety. Quit feeding it. You hand it to God. You pray about it. You give him um, through prayer and petition and through community joining you within that um, to let it go. Put it in the hands where it belongs knowing that he's enough. You reorder your thoughts. You think about the things that are good and right and noble and true. And maybe, just maybe, God will pull back that curtain just a little bit and he'll give you a glimpse of what's really going on to where you can say, ah, oh, my God is faithful. He has been kind in things that I thought was maybe not kind. You know, one of, um, one of the conditions that Phil's dealing with right now is he has a blood clot. 
in his leg, which is very bizarre uh, for a variety of reasons. He has no heart conditions, no vascular conditions, anything like that. However, while we were in the hospital, I was very, very, very frustrated by this fact because I realized he had this infection and he has a blood clot and they're not related is what I'm being told. And so why, why, Lord, would you have, have him have two conditions we're fighting right now? And then as I calmed my anxiety, I quit feeding it, I talked to him about it, and I thought about things that were good and right and noble and true. I realized we would have never gone to the hospital um, if the symptoms of the blood clot hadn't showed up. Everything else that was going on, we were ignoring and blaming it on something completely different. And I know there's a few of you, um, because we know many of your stories, but I know there's a few of you listening today who, when you hear the word sepsis or septic shock, you know how scary and dangerous that can be. And that's where Phil would have headed. So the second condition that I could be so negative about actually could have been the saving grace that we needed. And, and while I'm complaining and bitter, you know, God still loves me right there. And every now and then he'll pull back that curtain and say, daughter, could you just see what I'm doing? Is that tough? Is that tough? I am enough. I don't need to be less anxious, but wow, it sure would be great if I could be. I am enough as I am because my God is enough. And sometimes I just think, Lord, I just don't know that I can't continually keep creating my own little, little hell by living in my anxiety. But here's what I know, because here's the verse that follows our verse about contentment is this. I can do all of this. Not through me, but through him who gives me strength. Let's pray. Mighty God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word and how it guides. Father, I thank you for um, all the people in our community that we so dearly love. And Father, I ask that you will be with them and that you will give them your peace, your guidance, that their anxiety can sift away and that you can bring them the joy of you. We hand all of our concerns to you, Lord, because you are mighty and you are good and you are faithful and you know all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.